0: the following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We welcome our online listeners. Very quickly before I get into another sermon, because this is sermon number three for this morning. My daughter just informed me we should be taping all these little mini-sermons before we get to the primary sermon. We'll try to remember to do that because we have very fun discussions during our share time. We welcome our online listeners. This is Podcast 61, just underneath the series we're doing on identity. And today's message under the category of finances is the purpose of money. So we do welcome our online listeners. This is a very exciting series today. We're going to be talking about the purpose of money. Let me give you our opening paragraph. Financial bondage is an immediate consequence of not understanding the rhyme and the reason for God's purpose of money. Contrary to most opinions, the purpose of money is not to provide security, build relationships, or independence, or to create power and influence in the community. God's purposes are much more basic. When did money get invented? With Adam and Eve? When did it start? There was one of the cities of the seven churches that claims they are the civilization of currency. So, here's some interesting facts. I shared with you a few minutes ago in our sermon number two this morning <laughs> that Christians in the end times are not going to be able to buy, sell, or trade. Do you, Satan does everything backwards, just like he reads. We have trade, trade sell, sell, buy. Okay, there you got it. The way Babylon was set up was on a trading system, a bartering system. You see, you've got to have something in front of you and then say, here's what I've proclaimed to have value. Sticks with leaves. <laughs> this is the most valuable thing in the whole village. What's going to happen to the people in the village? Ooh. We're going to go f- start getting sticks with twigs, with one with, of those green things, leaves <laughs> on them. And we're going to start using that to trade and to to create value in our trading system. That's how it started. Because it takes one person to say if this thing's got value or not. Right? However many years took place where people were surviving under no value system, you have... The scripture that we have for our sermon this morning you have God will take care of you like he does the birds of the air because realistically are we any different than the the birds we've got to eat we've got to be clothed we've got to have shelter right but what's the difference then wouldn't that kind of support the antichrist movement of Worshipping beasts and birds of the air and whatever. God put value on this piece of creation by breathing life into it. And he put the stamp on the coin, the currency that says, you are valuable to me. And this is what makes you valuable. This is what separates you from the beast of the field. But they're all Beautiful. So if you're a dog lover, yeah, right. If you're a zebra lover like me, yeah, you're right. But you're different. You're set apart from it. Because of one being that said you have value. So Satan goes, hmm, I think I've got this down. That's what God did to make man different than me made man different than the beast. Well, then I'm going to worship the beast. You see, how much in Scripture is about Satan using the beast of the field? Isn't it Romans 1, the great warning of us who strayed away from the truth and it was evident that God made the truth known to us, but yet we started worshiping the fowl of the air and the beast of the field? I think that's called animal rights movement. And we started shifting our desires for man with woman and woman with man. And what happened? According to the scripture, not culture, men with men, women with women. Okay, So all these political issues we're fighting about have been laid out in scripture a long, long time ago. So Satan goes, Oh, well then I need to form something that has value. And when you look at some of the earliest coins, which I have pictures on I saved in my computer because I did an enormous, lengthy research on money. And so those coins typically have what on them? So they have a person's face. You turn it over and what do you have? She's a culture. Okay? So you have person, culture. Those are the two things that makes Facebook's uh, successful today. It's the first thing and only thing that's going to make a country successful. Is you put that leader up on his pedestal and you make him so incredibly valuable. The most powerful man in the world. Really? Seriously? Where do we get terms like that? It's from this system I'm going to show you. So, what would you say is the purpose of money? This was one of the very first things that Satan put together to completely separate people from God's system of economy. God's system of economy is I will take care of you as I take care of the birds of the air. This whole buying, selling, trading thing became a bondage thing that the enemy put together in early cultures so that you could not have finer things unless you were of the system and, and use the system effectively to prosper yourself. The system he introduced from the beginning of this whole thing is the system that God addresses before he addresses the trinity of this evil trio, Satan, the false prophet, and the beast. The beast is the global economic system. I've never heard, studied, read anyone who is doing uh, research on the book of Revelation that has not agreed with that, liberal or conservative. The beast is the economical system. So what does God do? Is He literally causes this new Babylon to fall before He throws the beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire. He deals with the system. Because it was the first thing that came in and it's the first thing God's going to cut out. Then He's going to deal with the leaders on the coin. You understand that? And then He will bring finality and bring his children back to a point on the new earth where we won't need jobs we won't need money in order to advance ourselves to be successful on this new earth he will just take care of us the original system will just work money is is the object if you love it it is the absolute root of all evil Basic need, it really doesn't make much to sustain life, food, clothing, shelter. The odd thing is, is that the world filled with wealth and prosperity, these are the three greatest needs found in almost every country in the world. Did you know that one out of seven people in the United States actually live well below the poverty line? Jane and I are below, we're we're in that percentage. Some of you are almost half the world's population is living on less than $2 a day. Here's another thing that one of the guys that I admire writing on the book of Revelation is this. The countries that have the highest pay rate, in other words, the countries that pay workers the highest dollar figure for a day's work will be the fortress that the Antichrist will start from, not the poverty countries. That is a very interesting uh, thought because you look at countries like Norway who your average person gets six figures and they're trained to do international marketing in junior high school. So that's an interesting thought to me. I don't look at America necessarily. So he could jump out of a country least expected, if you know what I'm saying. And America, who's been known for being such a prosperous, free nation, could during that time be at the bottom of the pile. Could be in the middle. I don't know. Our present president has done a pretty good job of (laughs) dropping us down a few notches in eight years. So it can't happen. Since this is the case, where is all the money going? Think about this, guys. If if, if you would do minimal research on how much money is printed in the United States last year? Just, just last year. You say, oh, well, I know where he's going with this. And I can prove to him that... The government saves old money and they burn it or they turn it into, you know, pillowcases, stuffings or, you know, whatever. That's not how money works. It's not the paper. But when we print money, we're stating, supposed to, how much value we really have. And we're printing from that value. And we're not supposed to print over the value, right? Right? But what do we do? We do that. It's running to the closet and Ian pulls out the Monopoly game and he reaches in there and scoops up a few 500s and some 20s and goes on down to the quick stop and buys himself a bunch of treats. Would it work? <laughs> yeah, they're probably, oh, that's so cute. No, it wouldn't work. So how does it work? when you reach into your wallet and you pull out, you know, I got a few crisp hundred dollar bills, you know, for my trip, you know, and and I, those are classy bills. Franklin has really come up a few notches. And you look at that in all the coding and the in the security that they're putting in that piece of paper, and you're like, it's no more valuable than a five hundred dollar piece of paper in the Monopoly game. It isn't. I'm sorry, it's not. So when you think about that and some of the money followers, that's what makes them mad is that we're printing money that does not match the value. You know why they're not bothered? Because the value system is about to be changed by a global leader. It doesn't bother them the enemy is putting value on something that hasn't even been revealed to you yet. And end times, researchers are figuring that out. So, those in world power, like the G20 World Council, actually work to keep the majority of the world's population below the poverty line. Why? If you're below the poverty line, is the temptation greater or less to go into debt? Greater. Greater. If, I've got, if I'm a wealthy man and i got money stuffed in my mattress as well as in three or four banks, am I tempted to go get a credit card and pay 17% interest rate on my money? No. You want to be the people that own the credit cards over the people and get their 17%. That's the change. It is a political maneuver and it has been since the days of kings. The grave appearance being offered by the Global Finance Commission is that of the growing economy and prosperity when in reality poverty is actually getting worse. The United States is at the top of the pile when it comes to the appearance of wealth. But the reality is 88% of Americans are one paycheck away from being on the street. One paycheck. Okay, I'm going to give you a little piece of reality here. And I'm hoping that our listeners are listening very, very, very carefully. I want to show you how easy this is going to be. I want to show you how a, a high school kid who's being oppressed by demons with very clever ideas could pull this one off. If you get 88% of the American population one paycheck away from being on the street, are you with me? All you have to do is reach over and pull out that paycheck, jobs. And it's over. It'll That economy will collapse like dominoes. Just takes a... Smart little kid reaching over and pulling out that paycheck. That's it. And you get an entire world falling and collapsing within hours? Going into panic. Oh my god, I can't I can't get a job anymore, or I can't whatever. And then the then the Antichrist separates the induct Christians out from the the actual people who say they're Christians, who he wants? He wants the emergent Christians. You have these indelible Christians being separated, and the way he's going to separate them, he's going to put value on employment, where the emergent people are going to go, yeah, that sounds awesome. And the indelible believers are going to go, I can't get that mark. I, I, I can't. Well, then you won't be able to work in our new job system. You think big government is a political argument today? On that day, they'll laugh at you. It will be the only system. And what's going to happen to the indwelt believers? They won't be able to buy or trade. That's how it's going to happen through these political topics that you're going to vote about next week. They're going to keep those issues alive through every politician, every foundation, every platform of politics. They're going to keep them alive because of that one guy that's going to reach over and pull out your paycheck. So, all these fancy, wealthy people who are taking security in their, their, their dollars hidden in mattresses and in banks or whatever, they're going to realize they're going to go from value to a valueless system within hours. If you want to do a fascinating read, it'll only take you three and a half minutes. Is read out of the book of Revelation in chapter 18, where God literally causes Babylon to fall. He specifically asked John to write who is out in the ocean. The merchants are out in their ships watching Babylon burn. And Jesus said, or this angel was saying to John to write down, where are we going to get our wealth? One hour, they're watching the whole world system of how people get wealthy burn to the ground. We won't be a part of that financial system. Any indwelled believer is going to receive a very heavy impression from the Holy Spirit in you not to get that mark. That mark will be your work orders. That's how it's going to be done. To get into your job in the morning, you have to be scanned to work. People make it so mystic, this mark of the beast thing. It's very practical. As it is today, if we have food and covering, with these things shall be content. Who was it that said that? Timothy, First Timothy six eight. So let's explore these five principles he's talking about. Number one, God is quick to reveal his mandate by man must depend on him for things. Since the beginning of man, mankind has worked to become independent. Of God. Because man was born independent of God, this has become man's greatest weakness, and that is a desire to be self sufficient. Because of sin, man has an innate passion to be his own boss. From this self justified position, man tends to use God like he's some kind of slot machine by praying for prosperity and wealth. However, God doesn't respond to such prayers. Sorry, I know I just offended some of you leaders. But God does not respond to such prayers. Instead, He told us to pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6.11 He is the only one who really knows the daily needs produced for daily dependence. Principle number two is love life. When God's children fail to embrace their need for a provider a creator a father you see they lose their love for the one who provides for them god created us to depend on him for all our needs and that becomes uh, and that comes through the overwhelming desire to need him now the way the original system was set up and it worked all the way up to 1980. And that was the man went out and worked, and the woman stayed at home and was a worker at home. It wasn't that she was lazy or didn't work. I'd like to see someone read Proverbs 31 Woman and say she's lazy. She's inept. You know, she's just a pretty little thing walking around the house waiting for her husband. Are you kidding? This woman was powerful, she was assertive. She was a real estate person. She was a a clothing maker. She was handling what he brought home. Made the bacon taste the best that the bacon should taste. That stayed intact to 1980. Now sure, 1920s forward, things started to change rather aggressively. But the standard was, up to about 1980, it wasn't embarrassing to say, I'm a worker at home. It wasn't embarrassing. The closer you back off from 1980 to the 1920s, you'll find more and more comfort in saying, I'm a worker at home. Today, the husband was a worker at home. A house mom. Well, how come they don't call him a house dad? You see, is switching because of equal rights. So every little piece that the enemy's putting in place, you may not catch it on that day, but I'll tell you what, 20 years from now, he'll need it. He'll need that doctrine. And you just don't make a big deal about it because you don't catch it in the day it's being revealed. But some people are real serious about politics. They know when you go to the voter booth how serious that. Is Because a decision or a system that can put together today could affect people in the end times. There are people that think this way, okay? They really think through decisions that are made today. Whereas most people don't. God created us to depend on Him for all of our needs. That comes through, of course, that overwhelming desire to need Him. There is only one way that we... Uh, can be complete, and that is in Christ Jesus. So Christ is right now preparing a place for who? Are we to go there and put some work hours in? What are we to do? Do our job. We as the church are supposed to be functioning exactly like the Proverbs 31 woman. We're not to go running off ahead of Jesus and telling Him how to put this new earth together. We're not to to be doing His job. He purposely separated Himself from His bride because right now the bride is hyper-controlling. You understand that? We are way out of bounds when it comes to being a woman for Christ. We tell him what to do, we change his doctrines, we change his orders. We are a train wreck as the bride of Christ. Why in the world would he stay associated with us here on earth having to deal with this rebellious woman year after year after year after year after year after year after year year, constantly changing what's coming out of his mouth? He separated himself, he is building this new earth, he's preparing a place for his bride, and he's using the baptism of fire to refine his bride. And the ones who make it to the end, quote unquote, those who endure to the end, those shall be saved. That'll be the bride I'll take back with them. Not rebellious women still trying to change the words coming out of his mouth, writing translations that make dogs feel good. He won't even accept he'll detach and he'll take the bride that was faithful and kept oil in their lamps. I hope I get a few emails on this because I am constantly accused of painting an image of Christ who's rude. Well, he is according to the standard and value system of the earth. But in his system of his father, he's not rude. He's protecting. He's building a righteous city. Zion, he's he's building a righteous planet. He's building this unbelievable system of governance over God's children. Colossians 2.10 says, And in him you have been made complete, And he is the head over all rule and authority. Well, sorry Lord, that's not true. No, it is true. Whether we as the bride take action on he is the head over all rules and all authority on earth. He is, whether we allow him. It's like the woman allowing the man to lead the home. There's no allowing there. It is in place, and God won't change it. Love life continuing on uh, the slide. Two B. It says Christ is head over the rule and uh, rules and authority. This includes the global leaders who think they have ownership over the world's economy. That's a critical piece, guys. You're going to see some horrible things unfold over the next couple of years. But the reality is God still is in charge. It's all a part of the plan. Okay, so principle number three, being thankful. This is gratitude number three. And being thankful in all things, this is the most challenging mandate that God has given His people. So having a thankful heart for the basics is a blessed byproduct of contentment in Christ. other words, if you're content in Christ, you will have the tendency to be content with external things. Or lack of them. Because your contentment is coming from where? Your husband, Jesus Christ. Our expectations dominate our mind's focus. If we expect from man, then we will most likely apply pressure on man to provide our needs. And that's what happens. We start using people like they're Objects to take care of our needs instead of going to a God who has promised to take care of your needs. We are created to love the one who provides for us, and that's why if you're dependent on people, your love life stays with people. If you're dependent on God, your love life goes with God. Then, when the enemy comes and pulls people out of your life, you collapse because. Your love life has been diminished. They're not taking care of you anymore. Principle number four is living with our own means. Contentment only comes by living within the boundaries of a God-ordained budget. Being content in Christ and His fulfilling of our basic needs helps us resist the ongoing onslaught of temptations that we are not truly content unless we buy some new things. God's reality is a contented child of God feels wealthy because he knows he already possesses more than he needs for daily living. And that's why Janie was saying earlier you give it away. You need to know your own measurement mark of your own contentment and needs. When you hit that mark is when you start giving it away. But what, what what the the Antichrist system that's been put in place is that you hit that mark and you have to invest it after that. You put it away. You start s- stuffing it in your mattress, stuffing it in a bank, whatever, you you don't give, you keep. So the prosperity over that mark of what you need becomes a mark of leading you into more bondage. If every person lived by this principle that as soon as you hit your mark if my needs have been uh, fulfilled, any extra cash that you have or any extra material possessions that you have, you give away to someone else, there would be zero poverty in the entire world. Zero. And that is how the new earth is going to be surviving. You won't even risk having someone... Not at the same level of having your needs met as what you are. But that's not how we function in America. Principle number five, enjoy what we have. Always being in want destroys our ability or truly to truly enjoy the things that God has given us. Who here in this room has desired something new and then you finally got it and within a week that passion and desire to have it is gone. Have you ever watched kids at Christmas? All they talk about is getting that new G.I. Joe for months. And all of a sudden they open up that Christmas present from Santa Claus. And they see this G.I. Joe doll. And they're, you know, for 25 minutes, that's all they're playing with. Maybe two hours. What happens to the toy? They're throwing it, they're jumping on it, they're, you know, whatever. They're playing with the box. (laughs) Yeah, they're playing with the box, dressing up with the wrapping paper. It doesn't hold our affections. The wanting it does. Are you with me? The wanting it holds your affections. The having it does not. So what happens if you think that people need all these fancy things in and around their home, you don't understand the principle. The true principle is there is passion and love life in the wanting, not in the having. So what it is, is they go out and want something different. They actually would be closer to God's miraculous plan economy if they gave away the G.I. Joe before they started lusting after a G.I. Jim. You see? That would be more biblical. But we don't. We go to that kid's closet and we open the, the closet door and you are literally buried with all these toys. Stay with me. Kids, you're going to find this hard to believe. When we were children, I'm only 60. When we were children, one toy. One toy. Toy, sitting on your dresser. Now it wasn't the case for everyone back in my childhood because there was obviously this breakout of prosperity in America. We spoiled our children to death with two toys. Now it's two hundred toys. Now you're being buried under toys. When if the parents just cut onto the principle, if you want another toy, give one away. Oh, I can't give GI Joe away. Yes, you can. It's plastic. It's, it's plastic. But G.I. Joe is an action figure of God controlling me. These alma kids don't worship their toys like gods. Try taking one away from them. That's how you find out if there's a God in someone's life as you tug. Oh, those Christians, they just hang on to things too tight, don't they? Well, then you got to loosen the grip. The way you loosen the grip is to get them to tighten the grip. Do you understand that principle of the way you get something out of a hand is you get them to tighten more. What? Why would that cause them to release the object? They're tired. That's how God does it. Go ahead, clamp down on it. Hang on to that addiction as long as you can. Hang on to that toys on you. Hang on to that car as you Hang on to that whatever. And we just grab tighter and tighter. And he's just waiting. He doesn't force the moment of deliverance. He's waiting for the moment of deliverance. And then we're tired. And it falls out of our hand. That's the God I serve. It's called grace. And it's very painful. The end result of grace is sweet and nice. But the power of grace tells me I have to embrace my weaknesses, my insults, my persecutions, my distresses. That's not sweet. It's the end result that's sweet when I finally let it go. So this occurs when we are moved to focus on the things that we think God should give us. Rather than what then uh, putting our focus on what we already have the Word of God calls this coveting or being jealous or lust God wants us to enjoy possessions he has allotted for us he finds great delight in watching his children have fun laugh and make use of the things that he gives us that is principle number five here's our identity statement for today these are the five principles of purpose. Number one, basic needs, dependence on God, having a deeper love life with Him, being grateful for what we have, living with within our own means and enjoying what He has given us. Those five principles will reveal the absolute purpose for money. Be assured when all five of these sayings come into play, we will uh, be well content with money being a Provisionary factor of our basic needs. Remembering love is evidenced by obedience. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.